welcome to another episode of the 10 Frame Podcast for Emerging Artists. My name is Kelly Thompson, and you can find me at kellythompsonart.com or on Instagram at kellyktompsonart. Hey, I'm Kevin Kirkwood, and you can find me at kevinwillpaint.com or my Instagram handle is kevinwillpaint. 10 Frame now has a patrons page on our website where anyone can contribute to the podcast to help us cover associated costs so we can continue to share our conversations from the artistic community with you. The website is the10frame.podbean.com. Thank you in advance. We're just kind of jumping in. So, um, first of all, Thomas, thank you very much for um, hanging out with us yeah. for a little while this morning. And we just wanted to uh, kind of get you on the tail end of your your visit here so things you know you are a little bit are winding down Mm -hmm. um and uh are are you going back today or yeah so i'll be leaving tonight at like seven or something hence why i brought my bags oh you gotta check out immediately (laughs) where you headed to um to austin austin that's where you're based out that is where i'm from yes or not where i'm from that is where i'm working and living yeah um what what do you like about Austin? Are there things that you enjoy about it? Yeah. Um, I, so I grew up in outside of Houston and Austin's always had kind of like a mystique about it of like, you know, that's where like the cool artists live. Right. In actuality, it's a little bit more like, um, having visited as an adult, it's a bit more like folk E and kind of like self taught artist uh-huh. and like, you know, keep Austin weird right. thing. But um, when did you move there? Uh, uh, two two years ago, um, okay. and we moved from Dallas. My af- after school, my wife and I we moved to Dallas, and then was there for five and a half years. Um, and I worked my way up through different galleries and working in all sorts of uh, capacities for them and art public art publishing houses, um, and I did a stint as the editor for the juried hardcover book a friend of the artist i don't know if you guys know about that not but. sure but what is it so it's a it's a, i think it's down to like quarterly um publication of like um open call artist submit juried hardcover book by like curators or galleries or whatever throughout the world and so it's one it's one of those like things where um Ty, my friend who started it, he wanted to just connect the dots between how do we get artists seen by curators and seen by um, gallerists and what's what's missing. And so he thought, and it's kind of, it's worked out great, is that put it, bringing, inviting the professionals in to jury them, put it into a publishing book, and then having that book sent out to um galleries that are looking in subscription so it's it's like the new american paintings like model however the like format of it is like more like a coffee table book situation what is it called again friend of the artist when you're in augusta right Uh that's where one of your studios is Mm -hmm. located yeah can you talk a little about the work that you're making there Yeah, yeah yeah so um so i guess skipping forward to like the now work i've been um and which I guess it's a really good segue because like whatever your life looks like art, the art that you make, it has to like fit in with what's going on. So my, uh, my wife's from Augusta. And so we go back there a lot and 
Um, there's a, um, her dad owns a fence company and it's at this like barn of all this land that has a uh, like wooded forest um, that I built like an outdoor studio like underneath like this uh, place where just a pile of wood was for like um, 70 years and uh, cleared it out and like set up like plywood like uh, walls to stable canvas to set up like um, like table like built tables and stuff to have paint so it can like be have like a, a base I guess because then I would take and and anytime I go there I take canvases stretch them over like plywoods chug them lug them out into the woods like and we'll like create these environmental paintings where like the what like responding to the light and shadow that falls on the canvas leaves that fall on it like bugs or animals that like come by and like trying to like almost like preserve that time and place as like an archivist I guess like artist as archivist in this painting but in like a everything all at once kind of a way it's so, acrylic on mm -hmm. so canvas. it's all acrylic yeah and they're from what I remember online it was they're like three by six feet at max right? um yeah right now which is um three by four four to six somewhere. which it aligns to a four foot by eight foot piece oh. of plywood from home depot oh there you go and then you also do smaller pieces <laughs> yeah yeah right? yeah like which 12 small, by 12 which the small ones are like um which i like working on raw canvas because then i can prep a whole stack and just it's easy transport like i said the art that you make fits your life and what's yeah. going on and i'm kind of like Right now, as an artist, I'm working in between Austin and like and Augusta, so I almost feel like a bit of a nomad painter at mm -hmm. the moment, where I'm like going from like place to place. And uh, how often do you go up there? It's been it's been pretty often actually, probably about once every two months. I'll like do like a two week stint um, and just like just go and make it and. One of the things that I learned from, you know, the five years in the galleries is that no one's going to give you those opportunities to do, you just have to like do them. So the first time I did it, I called it a uh, a, a self-appointed residency. And if I was just like talking at, at an opening or whatever, it shortened a residency uh, because no one actually like, unless they're an artist and they're like, ooh, I kind of want to do, where, where do you apply for that? You know, but if they're not, if they're just like a person, like, oh, that's awesome, you did a residency there. It's like, yes, I decided I was going to go camp and paint. <laughs> well, if you wanted it to be a residency, you probably could get paid for <laughs> I know, whole, like, you know. I, and, and they're out there, but I think that was part of, like, my frustration originally with, like, why I wasn't painting or why I wasn't making, because I was, like, hoping that, Someone would just like be out there, be like, "Oh, good, you can make things. Here's money. Here's like, a, here's support. Here's whatever." And so, you know, you can get in like a little rejection feedback loop because you're applying to like so many things, wasting you know, twenty five to a hundred dollars per submission, um, and all the time and work of writing things. Which now I guess with like the ChatGPT you can just like easily write those but like before you could it took a lot of time um to that's the loop i'm in right now 
it sucks and and then you only what i'm not saying you but like i would only get the get rejection letters over and over again it's like what's the point like that's my art supply budget i just spent six hundred dollars this month on like applying to things I and i got into like two virtual exhibitions great um they do nothing <laughs> yeah and a lot of the um, submissions when you put in your information it says um, you're if you don't get in we're you'll never hear from us yeah you know it's like just give us your money and go away thank you yeah thank you for supporting our um, our show and, yeah and then <laughs> thank they, you for your donation <laughs> yeah exactly. or you get or you get a form letter back to saying we're so sorry um, your art was great but there was 8,000 applicants for this uh, for this position so. so I just got tired of doing that because i the first couple of years like you know of course as like an artist whenever you first graduate you're like okay let me look up opportunities like oh this prize you get like twenty thousand dollars if you do it i'm gonna apply to that one it's like and now looking back it's like it's so silly to apply to those as like a fresh grad like no one's going to give you like that the one like people in like their mid-career late career that's who gets it because it's for like networking for each side you know there's it's, politics involved there's so much politics involved levels. and you know being a part of it and realizing that it's like oh okay I guess if I'm gonna make this happen, I just need to just do it. And I was talking, I gave like a, a uh, I guess a Q&A session on Thursday about like doing my solo show, um, which opens next month in Austin. Uh, but I- Where at? In, at Vaughn Art Gallery mm -hmm. in, in Austin, which they also represent my work and now. But whenever I started doing the full-time artist thing in Austin, I, was like, okay, well, if I'm gonna be an artist, I need to, you know, make work, I need to sell work, and I need to, like, my goal is to, like, you know, get a gallery, get a show. Like, that's, I knew that I wanted that, um, that that path was what I wanted to pursue. So I started just making work as if I had a solo show, booked, planned, in the books for, like, you know, a year and a half from then. And I didn't. And I wasn't actively looking for it. I was just focusing on making the work. And knowing that if I get to a point where I'm like, I have like 75 pieces, I should probably rent out a space for like a weekend or whatever, then like I could. And I'm glad I did because then like the opportunity in the calendar came up for like an earlier like solo show date. I was like, sure, perfect, I'll do it. Um, and, but it's like about making your opportunities and making it to the, point where you're kind of I you can help support me you you can let me in your residency you can let me in your gallery or not it doesn't matter I'm literally going to be making the work and doing what I'm doing anyway it'd be nice to have you on board you'd probably get accolades too like like it's gonna be good you want to get on the train or not um, and if not I'm literally continuing just like the day before and that's kind of been my attitude um, towards all of this, like, applying to things. That's a good attitude to have. I think that's a hard place to get to for, you even well-established artists have a hard time getting to that place. Cause you feel like that you need someone to like, put a little gold star by your name and be like, you did it. You're, you have my permission. And, and I think, I think what the art world needs is a bit more like of a punk approach to it. It's like, I don't need your permission. Like, I'm just gonna do it. Right. <laughs> 
yeah, that, uh, I think everyone needs a little bit more of that. But then, you know, life creeps in, and you know, I mean, you know, yeah. your time, and and it's like, well, I when you're saying you know six months, it's more in reality probably a little bit longer than that. For uh, what six months? What do you six mean? months to make a body of work and to get that shown, or oh, to, I, sa- know, I said I said a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. That yeah, I mean, um, you know, you have you have to have other you know you have to support yourself oh, in other ways 100%. too but um but i think um just having that mindset going in and setting those goals like um i don't have a show set up but i'm going to make work like there is going to be a show on this date that that's a great way to go about it yeah like and all all these like goal things like it's it's important to have goals, but like big things are accomplished in small steps. And so every every day in my studio, which it can get very like, you know, just your own thoughts bounced around the four walls and looking right back at you, all these like blank canvases. Um, it's like just there's a million things I can do between here and then, but I just got to do like two of them today or three. And then you kind of get on a roll and you get like 10 or 20 done. But some days you get only like one or two things done. But every day you're doing like a little bit of something towards, yeah. towards it. And running this as a business, as I know you do, do you set a time like Fridays are going to be for, you know, sending out invoices or you know, do you do you block so out time like that? So that's been my that's been the business advice that people um, consistently like love to give is Monday's admin day. This is whenever you do it. But I'm kind of more on like. Like so much about being an artist, and 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 I guess and I guess my whole approach thinking about it is that I'm not, I'm not, I don't like being told what to do. I'm not trying to like tell other people what to do, but so I need to like kind of work with my. It's like it's almost like self hacking. Like what what's what are your pitfalls that you find yourself falling into? Like what are like your times when you're like feeling. Like you're forcing yourself to be somewhere, but you wish you were somewhere else. Like, how do you like circumnavigate that? And it's like, I think being an artist is so much about self-regulation, self-discipline, and like knowing how to entice you to do certain things. So for me, I I do um, my admin stuff like in the morning. I get I get it done first thing out. Answer all the emails, send invoices, do things, and then I don't. Then like probably by like lunchtime, I don't think about it again and I'll do it the next day. It's like I got to get all the boring shit away first. And uh, I try not to let it creep past like noon. Sometimes it does. But um, yeah, but you still set some parameters. Obviously, you know, as a business owner, you have to do that. Yeah. But you're doing it what work, you know, the way it works for you. It yeah. could be, oh, I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning because I can't sleep, so I'm going to do an hour's worth of admin. No, hour. I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think I think just figuring out what, what works for you as a person, because, I mean, a lot of times as an artist studio, I mean, I know that the famous ones, they get, like, you know, 25 employees or whatever. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's it's just a single member LLC. It's just you. You can hire out contract labor for occasionally to do stuff, but you know, you don't aspire for that warehouse space in New York where you hire you know two hundred. You know, as much as I love exploiting others, I'm not interested. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about your studio in Austin. Yeah. 
Um, you have connections, um, gallery, obviously, uh -huh. there. Uh, let's get a little bit of your information out there to um, how people can find you. Yeah, your, yeah. Your um, Instagram, all that so, kind of stuff. So um, my website, my name is Thomas Flynn the second, so Thomas Flynn II. So my website is thomasflynnii.com. My Instagram, at Thomas Flynn II. And the II is important for branding because there is a Irish uh, actor who is named Thomas Flynn, and I've been fighting him for Google space, like, for years. So... I have, there's a, another Kelly Thompson artist that I have to work around Amazing. too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, uh, I guess you want to talk about the business side and like, not um, really. I just, I mean, we want to know what your practice is like. And, um, I know you do yeah. go back and forth, but when you're, you know, when you're creating, um, so my studio in Augusta is made, is like, it's the creative part of it's it's like only for making work and not documenting it not storing it it's just like you're you out know, in nature it's in nature it's like very like you know get back and there's like all these like mites all over my bag from like the pine straw and um you know but it's, you like that i mean you embrace that part sure of sure <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah if you look at my paintings there's probably bugs inside of them <laughs> but Time um, capsule yeah, it's it's an archive of, of that place. Um, and in Austin, I, I do paint a lot there, but it's also like kind of my business admin center thing. So I have my like file cabinet. I'm very much like my experience in, in doing the register at the galleries. I'm like highly organized with like how I archive my work, how I like um, price it, how it's signed, how it's like... Um, done which sometimes I I'm that's that's my toxic trait is that I spend too much time doing that sometimes how um, many how many paintings do you think you have in surplus um currently I would say probably about like probably 50 in circulation like because yeah. I have some work in Pennsylvania right now I have obviously the one in Austin and then I'm preparing for solo show so i have a lot in my studio that's so building up vaughn is the vaughn is in austin uh -huh. what's the other one in pa um it's a new gallery called coria jacobs gallery and they're in franklin pennsylvania i guess um which i guess is a small town thing some someone that i know started a gallery up there so that's me for work and you always help your friends out here's six yeah. paintings nice <laughs> so tell us about the solo show yeah, um, about the concept behind it, or about like what? Yeah, what the thread is, what you've, what you're. Yeah, so in there if you, so if you, when it is, all that good. Yeah, stuff. all that stuff. So, about my about my work, like it's obviously nature based. It's in kind of the forest, and I guess I've recently come to the conclusion that what the whole why I keep painting this like forest is because, like I said, I grew up outside of Houston. And I grew up in a forest that now no longer exists, and there's no like record of it except for inside of my memory. It's been like bulldozed and like created homes for. Because around in that part of um, the country, there's beautiful wooded areas, but what it actually was was they were um, uh, like lumber lumber plantations for um, for trees. So they were like industrial tree farms, and so 
I guess the way that investment works is that they get to be a industrial tree farm. You cut it down every 10 years and it grows again until it's more profitable to like sell it to do development. And so what was like a like basically like a nature preserve north of Houston is now completely like coated in concrete strip mall yeah so I grew up in a forest that no longer exists and so I'm kind of coming to terms with that kind of that there was no no one took the time to record how like the light would fall through those trees or how like you know maybe the the animals that are pushed like somewhere else um would have interacted in that specific place and I think that that's why I'm more on like the ecological archivist as I'm in this forest that's in Georgia that's thousands of miles from a thousand miles away from where I grew up and it just reminds me so much of that place that I can never visit again you think so. those animals migrated to Augusta I think they got run over <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not all of them but <laughs> I mean um but uh, so the solo show is called To Catch the Sun Dreaming, and it's all, you know, I feel like plein air painters, it's always about connecting with like this, like idea of light and nature, but. Um, and when, and when it's does on, it open? It's on June 8th is when it opens, and it'll be up through uh, July 22nd. Awesome. So. You must be comfortable about what you've made so far and what you have because you're not in your studio right now a month before you're, you're doing a lot of other things when uh, when uh, a show is right around the corner. I know. It seems like I, crunch time. I know I suck. <laughs> That's not what I was saying. I was, I was thinking you're so organized and prolific that everything's done and you can chill. Oh, no. I, st- I, I have 37 pieces done, photographed, varnished, signed, cataloged. I have about um, 18 more that are in the, like, 50 to 70% stage that um, I need to push to the final stage. And then they just need to be like titled and varnished by the time. And then I can catalog them after said show. <laughs> so, so that's going to be the month from here until the show. Yeah, right? basically. Yeah. This is my last thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the stint in Savannah. <laughs> How do you come up with names for the pieces? Um, because I'm a melodramatic, uh, emotion, like, uh, el- aging emo, I guess. <laughs> so, like, maybe song references or type um, poems? I guess or? more, like, kind of poetry. I've always liked, like, poetry, especially kind of, like, around, like, the Findesickle culture of, like... The what? Findesickle, like, right at the turn of the century. Um, like, those kind of poets that came out of, like, uh, the... Um, Vienna secession movement all of like kind of and especially their translations into English because it's in Austria like but was just so like engaging and beautiful to me it's just what it's like like a very like connection to a mystical mystical part of like the human experience that's like being like grasped at in spite of like all this technology and industrialization that's happening um so you take other maybe clips of poems that you enjoy and appreciate you that's where you get it or do you write your own yeah i guess i wrote my own right on but you know i like i like a good title 
and and especially I think that also comes from working in the galleries. There's a lot of bad titles or paintings out there, which I mean, it's the last thing you think about, so I understand. But there's some poor intern who's like having to type out untitled number 55, untitled number 66, and then trying to like reference that in documents to people. That just kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, no painting is ever untitled. <laughs> right. Where would you like to see your work in five years from now? I'm not as concerned about the life cycle beyond, like, when I make it. I'm more concerned with creating a practice and a life that supports the ability to continue making work. Um, and I think that mindset shift has helped me, like, refocus. It's the same thing with the solo show thing where I don't have to figure out the date. I don't have to figure out the gallery. I have to focus on the work. I have to make the work. I have to paint. In order to do that, I have to, like, take on these freelance jobs in order to, like, kind of supplement my income. I need to do this marketing job. I need to, like, network with these people in order for them to sell my work so that I can paint. It's like it all comes back to doing, like, paintings. So if I can, in five years, have continued to create a sustainable art art career where like I'm able to get in my studio and make things and then they don't just hang around my house, um, then that would be ideal. So let's talk a little bit about the, um, about the marketing aspect of it. Sure. When you, so I know you were in Houston and you work in, and you were in, you were in Dallas, in correct? Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then you moved from Dallas to, to Austin. Austin. When you got to Austin and you were starting to create this this work and and get yourself to the position where you wanted to, um, where you want to be making work, um, did you specifically seek out um, relationships that you that you wanted to build or? Well, or yeah, I mean you did. Uh, you have to do the networking thing where you go to the gallery openings, you talk to the people, you have to tell them I'm an artist, I'm, you know, I love your program, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the thing about working in the galleries is that um, you kind of see the other side of it where um, you see artists, <clears throat> sorry, um, doing that. And you don't want to be that cold calling no, artist. No, it doesn't work. And that's the thing is that like a gallery won't take you in unless they actually want to you know at if they actually have the capacity to like sell your work along with everyone else that they're doing so like it's kind of like i hate i always hated whenever people say this but like it's like luck of that you interact with a gallerist that's looking for um for someone that they haven't filled your niche of spot in their space and that they like happen to run into you because I think so much of or happened to have heard from one of their artists about you and your work and it's like it's like a weird luck reference game of like how do you get um, you're just making yourself available and your work and that is and that and that's invisible. really what I notice in the successful artists working in the galleries is that the real goal of being like an artist a, a full-time artist, whatever, you have to make yourself available. You have to make yourself like seem like you're doing so much work, but you also have so much time for like any ask, you know? Like you're like producing, you're doing it, but you have time for more. So if they are in a pinch, need a commission, hey, do you have a piece of size? You're like, yeah, I have it. It's in my studio. I'll bring it to you. Like, 
able to be the one who won't say, no, I don't, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I probably can get it done in a month, maybe, like, I have, like, work today, I can't call you back, like, like those, those are the types of people you'd call once, and they're like, okay, they're busy, they're not, they're not the one who's looking for more random stuff like that. But also not just saying yes to everyone, you were talking about managing your time, you also need yeah. to know what opportunities are going to bear fruit. Too. And that's where, like, you know, you kind of have to have self-awareness about your goals, and, and then you can, like, look at opportunities as they present yourself and see if they align in some way with a goal. Like if the goal is having a relationship with like a gallerist, then any ask that they do is like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll figure out how to make it happen. If it's a random person who wants something from you, like especially time commitment, then that's a more like, does that align? Does that not gotcha. align? Yeah. All right. Makes sense. Um, so when you're in your studio, do you work with quiet? Do you like music? Do you listen Always to podcasts? Music. Well, uh, it's, it's, I guess it varies because if you're in your studio all the time, I'm sure you uh, you get bored of the same same songs happening over and over again. But um, yeah, it depends. Sometimes in silence. Sometimes in like blaring out music. It really just depends. Really? What's yeah. what's uh, what's on your current playlist? Um, because I'm like disgusting. I uh, am currently obsessed with like Florence and the Machine's new album that came out, and I've been having it on repeat for like thirty days. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> Which part of that's disgusting? Um, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. Um, I know you have a lot of time commitments, and um, we just wanted to um, sit down with you for for a yeah. brief period of time. I hope it was helpful, and absolutely. Maybe I think hopefully in the in the ramblings you got something <laughs> something I, I worthwhile. Think, I think so. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, just disseminating your specific story, and um, you know, I think people can definitely glean some information from that for yeah. sure. So. I think I think if I had one kind of summarizing thought about it, it's that everything that that you should work towards is a sustainable art art career, and look at it in the lens of is this sustainable for me? Because if it's not, it's it's going to hurt you in the long run. Right. And and I've seen so many kind of flash in the pan artists who they have on something whipped up by a gallery like thrown around and then they're kind of stuck and then they fizzle out after they're dropped because then they their prices got way too high way too quick and same thing where people weren't making work and didn't have anything to sell and then it's just not sustainable because it's kind of a self-defeating attitude they make like one huge paint in a year it doesn't sell because it's enormous and it's hard to place large work and then they get discouraged and then they're like, I guess I'm not going to paint until that one sells. And then they just don't make work. And that's not sustainable either. It's like a... It's I guess like I'm going to have to start working smaller than that one painting in my if, studio. It's like if <laughs> 10 it, feet tall. If it, well, you know, I... I cut I, it up into little pieces, maybe. I don't know. Doing kind of like, you know, the curator gallerist thing in whenever curating shows, you have to have work that sells 
and you have to have work that can be written about. If you just have a, if you just have work that sells in there, that's easy grabs, whatever, no one's interested because it's boring. But if you just have pieces that can be written about in like art criticism magazines, then you uh, you're, you're in the red because you've sold nothing, and it's hard to move those. So having a good range, a variety, different price points. Different price points is key, which you know I'm sure anyone will say. Or at least having some way to make your work accessible, to have someone be able to take home a piece of that like larger experience back with them to look to look on it, and then you can you know monetize that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. All right. Great. Thank you very much, Thomas. Yeah, it was hopefully. nice to meet you. It was good meeting you both. Thank you very much. And good luck with the show. And uh, we want to, um, if we can't get there, um, hear about it after the, after the fact. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to have anybody interviewed or if you have any questions or comments, please hit us up on Instagram at The Ten Frame.